Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. This episode is a double header. It features Carla Ruiz of Johnson & Johnson and Alicia Sontag of Prelude Growth Partners. And if you missed last week's episode, please check it out. It features Lee and Jeremy Edelman. They're the co-founders of Artists. Hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'm sitting with two lovely ladies. I'm excited for, we can call this a double header. No, a double feature. Sure. Um, Carla Ruiz, VP Business Development, Johnson & Johnson, and Alicia Sontag, partner at Prelude Growth Partners. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you. Um, I want everyone to know that I feel a little pressure because I keep mispronouncing Alicia's name, and I'm going to work very hard all episodes to get it right. Um, thank you for your patience with me. No problem. So um, I love that you're both here together. This is so cool because we've hosted two people together before, but they're usually um, partners in a business, right? And this is the first time we have two people together to talk as friends, yeah. right? Which is just super cool to me. Um, so you both met at J&J, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're um, work friends, but you're also friends, friends, friend, friends, right? Um, so Carla, other than a podcast together, what else do you, how else do you spend your time together? I mean, I think the, the funny thing is, uh, you know, as you said, we met through work, but I feel like, and I'd love to hear, you know, Alicia's perspective as well, but, you know, we saw eye to eye when we worked together in terms of the strategy for the business, in terms of, you know, the assets that we were looking at, right? And I think from that, it naturally developed into a friendship. And so now, um, you know, we both have kids. Our kids do play dates together. You know, I think considering also our our schedules, I think we do a pretty good job at, you know, staying in touch and we do lunches, coffees, you know, very frequently to try to, you know, continue the relationship. So you have to, like, really invest time in planning these moments together, right? It's easy to be friends at work because you see each other all the time, right? But um, I've been really honest with my friends outside of work that I really want to see you, but I have no bandwidth to, like, plan a date for the theater or plan a dinner. So just throw dates at me and I'll just put on my calendar and I'll be there. So, um, you know, you both have crazy schedules. Alicia, how do you actually get things on the calendar? Um, I think like Carla said, part of it's easy because we both have kids. And so you're thinking, let's do a play date. And there's always room on the calendar for a play date, like on the weekends. So I feel like that's the easiest way to some degree. It's just... And it's also, you know what, we speak the same language, right? Mm -hmm. So when we meet, I feel like, you know, a good chunk of the time we're, you know, talking about what's happening in the market, right? Because we're both covering beauty in different but similar ways. And then the other part is, you know, the personal stuff. Right. So you both have kids that are on the younger side. So I remember, like, my kids wouldn't let me finish a conversation. Like, I'd be so excited to sit with my friend, and I never get to finish the conversation. Is that sort of, like, where you're at right now? You start a conversation, you try to, to continue it on, but the kids keep getting in the way? Yeah. I think we've both become bit. professionals at <laughs> mastering, having half a conversation, dealing with a kid crisis, and coming back for the other half of the conversation, I think, is part of your skill set as... A super busy working one. Yeah, so. yeah, you can teach workshops on that. Yeah, yeah. We could all use a little support <laughs> there. Um, okay, so let's start with Alicia. Will you tell me about your current role? Sure. Um, so I right now am 
a co-founder and partner at Prelude Growth Partners. And Prelude Growth Partners is a boutique growth equity firm that offers capital and value add support to high growth brands. And um, we really founded Prelude because we believe the entire industry is being regenerated. And to us, that means the top 10 brands of tomorrow in every category will be markedly different than the top 10 brands of today. And, you know, that means it's a very exciting time to be playing in the space. And my partner and I had known each other for 20 years. We went to business school together. And, you know, after school, she became an investor. She was with L. Catterton, which is a major private equity firm in the consumer space. They're an amazing company. She was the first female partner there with an amazing track record. And at the same time, I had been working in beauty, so I was with Estee Lauder for 11 years in different roles, and then at Johnson & Johnson, where I met Carla, of course, as the global president of beauty there. And we just were sitting here, and we're both 43, and we kind of looked at each other and said, what do we want to be doing for the next 20, 25 years of our career? And you know, what could be more exciting and inspiring than helping the next generation of entrepreneurs create that next generation of what we believe will become iconic global powerhouse brands. So um, I love this point of view. Like I, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about your side of the business. I'm just you know learning about it. But um, my guess is most firms don't have a strong point of view from this marketing perspective. Like you want to help build the next you know number one brands in those categories versus we just want to see our money grow. Right. Is this dis a distinctive point of view? I think it is a distinctive point of view. Like, we're not the traditional, with all due respect, you know, we're not two guys in suits coming in that are just looking at the numbers and looking at the balance sheet. Um, we are super passionate about the space. We set ourselves up purposely as a firm that was founded 50% investing experience, 50% industry operating experience so that we can offer capital, but we can also offer support where needed. I mean, we're not um, overly intrusive in any way, but if entrepreneurs typically have a ton going on and they're managing a million different things and you know, they would love to focus on what they're most passionate about, what they're most excited about, and get not just capital, but support in a couple of places, um, and that's what we're really there to do. I love this idea that now you're an entrepreneur and yeah. you're helping entrepreneurs. It's very different than getting a paycheck. You yes. know, I've been an entrepreneur for 11 years and I don't even, I, I, I totally wasted the feeling of security that you get when you have a full-time job. I yes. didn't appreciate it at the time. Yes. Um, and it's a different mindset. Like yes. when I talk to my clients or entrepreneurs, like I get it. Like every single dollar they spend is literally a dollar out of their pocket. Yeah. Um, and it's a different feeling than, oh, we have a budget for the year and we're gonna spend it and if we don't spend the whole thing, we actually need to hold spend the whole thing because it doesn't look good if we don't spend the whole thing, right? It's the opposite. Yeah. Um, so that mindset I think is gonna be really beneficial. Yeah, I think um, we're definitely entrepreneurs ourselves. We both left these really big roles to create this firm. It's a little bit like jumping off a cliff. Like we totally get it. We've set up our credit cards and you know your incorporation and literally talking to the guy to get a sign on the door and just the whole deal we've done all of that and um, it's really fun and it's really exciting and I think for brands that partner with us you know we're in it like we're not you're not you know there's a number of other firms out there where anyway we're in it 
you know, their success, the success of our partner brands matters tremendously to us because it's our success mm -hmm. too. Um, and we all want to succeed together. We believe we can do that. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Carla, tell us about your role at J&J. Yeah, and, and before I do that, I just want to underscore what Alicia just said, mm -hmm. right? So I think beyond their very strong investment thesis, it's a combination of two great and smart women that have highly complementary skills, right? And so what they bring to the table is very synergistic, and their approach to investing is unique to have, um, and hopefully we see more and more of this in the future, but you don't tend to see two female investors, um, you know, not in New York, not in the U.S. more broadly, um, and the way that they, um, you know, I've had the privilege of you know, knowing them for a long time, and I know the way that they operate, and, you know, I would love for more people to uh, get to know them and see their, you know, their unique approach. I think it's highly remarkable, and I admire what they're doing. Thank you. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Um, and so for me, I, as a, you know, as you said, VP of business development at J&J, &J, my responsibilities are within consumer. I have global responsibilities for beauty, for baby, for femcare. And, uh, you know, just for me individual, uh, you know, as, as a person as, and as a woman, right, uh, these categories could not be more perfect, right, and more fun. Um, so I love what I do. And I've been able to marry, uh, my background was in investment banking, so I've been able to marry that you know, finance role with my love for you know, these three segments. So I think it works beautifully. So for someone outside of your universe, when you say business development at J&J, &J, does that mean your job is to acquire brands and grow J&J &J as a whole that way? Exactly. And so my role is across the board in M&A um, in and mergers and acquisitions more broadly. So we could look, the simplest way to think about it is, you know, acquiring a, a company. But, you know, we're incredibly flexible because of the, you know, the breadth of our firm. Um, so we can do full acquisitions, we can do minority investments, right, and, and come in with a day-to team to support, right, the businesses that we invest behind in certain areas where we can provide support, I mean, you name it, right, we're a large organization, R&D, distribution, um, you know, marketing advice, um, you know, trademark patent advice, regulatory advice as they think about their next chapter of their business. Um, but it can also be as, um, as small as a licensing opportunity or, you know, investing behind a technology that we think has, uh, you know, good potential. It's so fascinating. So this leads me um, to the first topic that I want to talk about today. And what was cool about um, putting together this podcast today is I had individual conversations with both of you, and then I wanted to bring you know the threads together, right? Because you work at two different companies, two different paths, um, and the first topic I thought about was this merger of the world of finance and creativity. And I never thought that I would say those words together as you know meaningful together, but I see that in your roles and your careers, um, and I I have total envy of it because. Um, I just thought finance was never going to be for me, right? I had a lot, tons of friends in college who, mm -hmm. you know, wanted to go get jobs at banks. and like, I don't know what that means. That's not for me. And now as I unravel what your roles are in your, in your peers and other companies, I'm like, that's really exciting. Um, so can you explain, and we can start with you, Alicia, like what is creativity in finance and how do they merge for you? Um, <clears throat> they merge. It's absolutely um, a merger of the two, which is what makes it so fun and so exciting. 
I would say right now what we see happening in the space broadly is there's a new generation of consumer, which is the millennial, and I'm starting with the consumer for a reason, is the millennial consumer that will then be followed by Gen Z. And that consumer is now the biggest demographic and in four years will become the biggest spending demographic. And so there's a big wave kind of coming through the pipeline that looks very different from the generation ahead of them in terms of preferences. They're looking for brands that are authentic, transparent, aligned with their values, health and wellness. It's the set of criteria that's very different and they're influenced differently. Obviously with the advent of social digital, they shop very differently with the endless digital shelf and the impact in turn that's had on brick and mortar. And so what's happened is there's an entirely different landscape. And against that, we see entrepreneurs creating these incredibly high quality brands. And generally there's entrepreneurs that have a really authentic story that um, have a really compelling brand that for one reason or another is really resonating with the consumers and they're getting buzz and followership. And they've created some sort of product that's a really high quality product and differentiated from its competitive set. So we look at all of that, which is a little bit of magic that these true creatives are creating from scratch and from their hearts and from their souls. And we feel like where we can come in as Prelude is having a deep appreciation for that skill set and that creativity. You know, I worked together when I was at Lauder for four years with Bobby Brown, and she's, an, I think, an icon in the mm -hmm. industry and has exactly that. I mean, she knew every product and every shade and every image and every, she just knew exactly what she wanted to do with her brand. And so as Prelude, we can come in and really help people who've built these like phenomenal brands and they've gotten to a certain point but now it's really ready for the pedal to hit the metal and kind of get to the next stage of growth. And that's where the finance comes in. You can offer capital. Um, and on our own side, be creative in terms of how we're supporting these brands. Um, you know, whether it's through some brands ask for help on strategic marketing, some brands ask for help on building a direct business, some brands need help on supply chain, everybody needs something different, or maybe they don't need anything at all, but most people want help in one place or another. We can really get creative on how we do that and how we support the entrepreneurs in achieving their vision. So. And of all the words you just told me, only like one of them was a word about a number, you know, which is like so funny to me. And like, there's like, is there actually like a lot of numbering things happening behind the scenes? There are, like, I would say at Prelude for sure. I mean, we, you know, we sit and we look at numbers backwards and forwards and all of this stuff. But most important, numbers never went up. Most important is if you have an amazing founder and an amazing brand, like, all of the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. that's why we always start with that because that's... Um, that's just the most important thing. And that's why I'm saying we have a deep respect and appreciation for that and know, I think, how to partner really well with that. And then, you know, we know the numbers. I've worked in businesses that were, I've run businesses that were $30 million in sales, $10 million in sales, billion dollars in sales. And so I'm deeply familiar with like every number and every decimal point on the P&L and how to make the whole thing work. But 
it's just all of that stuff is secondary to what you're actually doing and delivering to the new consumer. Got it. Okay, so Carla at J&J, which yeah. is like this giant, 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 giant. Yes. I mean, I can't think, think of another player in our business who's as big because um, you go, I mean, so far beyond beauty, yeah. right, and Johnson Johnson. How does creativity merge with finance for you? So for, for me personally, I'll tell you, um, you know, I used to, and I should do more of it, but I used to, um, on a personal level, paint and sculpt, mm -hmm. right? So I think creativity has always been part of my life. Um, but putting that aside, for us, the answer is not too dissimilar to what Alicia just mentioned in that, you know, my job is to meet with these, you know, amazing founders, right? And on a weekly basis, I'll meet with, you know, a number of them. And so they... Um, live and breathe, right, their brand, their baby, and, you know, they think, obviously, in, in very creative ways, they're very nimble in their approach, right, and, and it's just, for me, um, and for all of us at J&J, &J, incredibly inspirational to be able to connect with them and to learn more about what they're doing and their way of thinking, right, to get things done from, from point A to point B, their understanding of the consumer, um, and so there's there's a lot there. Um, in addition to that, I think if you think about the world of beauty and how it has evolved, right, um, over the past five, seven years, I think we've done a 180 degree, right, with the advent of social media, the way that the consumer, right, um, touches and feels and understands and initially connects with the product materially different from the way that it used to be. So for us as an organization, we're also changing the way we look at the world and therefore our strategy and therefore our approach right to brands. And so we look at these founders and the brands that they own and we honestly don't come in as, you know, as you said, you know, we don't come in as the big guy. We come in as we want to learn from you. And if there are areas where we can provide support, you know, we'll do that. But, you know, your creativity is something that we want to force foster within our environment and, you know, support you in different functional areas as needed. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my, my jealousy is growing. Like, this is really cool. Um, but I'm, you know, I have this job. I guess I just do it. I keep doing my own job, and I'll just admire yours. Oh, your job is so fun, too. <laughs> it is fun, but, um, you know, it's just so striking to me how, like, how I just put up a wall. Like, I just put up a wall and said, that's not for me, you know? And I'm realizing, like, it could have been for me, you know? But I wasn't that open-minded back then. But I didn't know, and the business was different then, too. Like, maybe your business would have been not as creative 20 years ago. Maybe. <clears throat> I also think, honestly, what Carla said is true earlier, where there's frankly not a lot of women in business development, like in her role as a VP of business development at j, &J that's an enormous role. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a pretty male-dominated industry. It's a pretty male, you know, private equity is a pretty male-dominated industry. Um, and I think that, at least when I was graduating from college, like it just wasn't that traditional mm -hmm. to have women in that field. Like I was Wharton undergrad, I can't remember exactly, but 80% of, I don't know, the class was high, it was a fraction of the class, the entire class was women mm -hmm. basically, it was majority male. So I think it's exciting to be doing what we're doing, but I also think that kids growing up today, you have 
you're seeing different things in front of you and the world is changing, I think, for the better that way. Right. That's an awesome point. Yeah, thank you. So you actually walked me right into the next topic, which is ambition. Um, so Carla, we'll start with you. You grew up in Peru. I did. And you had your sights on building your career in New York. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, so it wasn't hard for me to say <laughs> I want to have a career in New York. Like I just took a train or a bus, but you really had to work for it and plan for it. Um, so, you know, I want to know... Um, why was this important to you, and what did you have to do to make it happen? You know, as, as a teenager in Peru. Um, I think it was obviously hard work, dedication, and persistence. At the end of the day, right? So I had an end goal, and you know, coincidentally, when I so when I was in Peru, the opportunities, the career opportunities, were limited. Uh, coincidentally, after I left, you know, uh, everything changed. And so GDP growth is there, foreign direct investment, stable currency, you know, low inflation. I mean, you name it, right? And so that has attracted, obviously, a lot more uh, business. There's a, a, a stronger infrastructure. And, you know, the country overall is doing incredibly well. So had it been, you know, 10 years after, I think the story might have been different. At that point in time, you know, to... Um, you know, to really pursue a career that would challenge myself, I personally wanted to, uh, you know, explore a um, larger pool of opportunities, if you will. And you know, the the, the U.S. is an amazing country. Um, there is the breadth, right, and the skill set of the individuals that have been fortunate enough to um, to work with has, you know, it, it's it's a privilege for me, right, and. Um, that's what motivated me to try to, you know, find more and better at that point in time. And, uh, you know, I came here uh, through B-School. I figured if I didn't do that first, like, that would be the perfect platform, right, to establish a network, to learn a different way of doing things. And, uh, you know, so I did that uh, back in 2004. And, you know, ever since, I think, um, you know, I've had a, a great ride. I've enjoyed, I've really enjoyed being here and the atmosphere and the pace. I've always been in New York. Um, and it was a sacrifice, right? Because at that point I left family, I left friends, but I've been able to build, you know, my own, um, ecosystem here and I love it. That's awesome. Well, um, on the top of, of ambition for Alicia, you left an awesome job that, that you really loved at Lauder, right? M multiple roles at Lauder for many years, and um, you took a huge role at J and J. Um, I'm curious. I would love to be in your mind that moment. Like, how hard was that decision? And when you looked at your pro con list, what won and pushed you over to taking the new job? Oh my gosh! I think when I left Lauder, it was so painful because I'd been there for 11 years and I loved the company and I loved the people and all of my mentors were there, the Jane Huddises and John Dempsey's and Jane Lauder. And, um, and I really, I think I spent a month every single night in tears, <laughs> to be honest, at home questioning, am I making the right decision? Um, you know, it's just, Lauder is an amazing company. They have amazing brands. They have amazing people. I felt like I was able to have really strong impact there on the brands I've worked on, like driving growth, delivering results, innovative marketing. Um, 
But at the end, what happened was J&J, which is also an amazing company with amazing people and amazing brands, um, you know, had given me this amazing opportunity to be the global president of beauty, which is a massive role. It's 12 different brands. And I met with Sandy Peterson, who was the worldwide chairwoman, super senior, amazing person. And I said to her, you know, what are the top three priorities for my new role? And she said, well, you're going to tell me. And I loved that. I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to tell them. (laughs) And in fact, that's what happened. I mean, for such a big company, as Carla said, it's like really doing things differently. It's very entrepreneurial. You really could have impact on a big scale. And I just felt like, I felt nervous in my heart that if I didn't take it, I would always wonder what if. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't want to ever have a regret like that, so I figured it was better to take the leap and try than potentially have a regret. And frankly, the same thing when I came to Prelude, when I left J&J to found Prelude, which was another super difficult decision because you're sitting in an enormous role, you're doing amazing things, you have an amazing you know, salary and income, and I'm the breadwinner for my family, and you're saying, um, does it really make sense to to give this all up and to start from scratch? Um, but I really felt as though what's happening in the market is so exciting. My partner is a really, you know, amazing person. It's rare to have an opportunity to partner with somebody like that. And it was the same thought. It's like, we've got to give it a shot because if we can make this work, we will be, you know, the iconic name in this space ourselves. And, you know, what will be more exciting than doing this for the next 20, 25 years and looking back at all the brands that we've really helped flourish. So um, I think those moments are super difficult, but at least for myself, I've kind of, in those moments, pushed myself to the uncomfortable side of the curve. when I was making that decision, I was scrolling through Instagram at night, of course, as I always do, looking at your feed and all the different things. And at the moment where I was making the decision, this quote came up that said, you can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but not both. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going for courageous. It's happening. Um, that's, um, so you're saying Instagram inspired you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, that's so interesting because my, my follow-up question to you was going to be like, you know, do you have a team to help support you? Like I have a coach and then I have a second coach and I have a therapist and like I really I need a village. It takes a village, I feel like, to keep my head screwed on, you know, so I can feel like I'm, you know, really thinking clearly and um, have the support around me. Um, other than Instagram, like, did you have other people to support you? <laughs> Not just for starting Prelude, but also for leaving Lauder. But honestly, I'll say it, you know, before she answers that question, um, I'll say it because she probably won't, but she has or had and still has uh, a phenomenal reputation, and I know firsthand, at both Johnson & Johnson and Estee Lauder. So it can't have been an easy decision mm-hmm. to do what she did, and I'm incredibly proud of her. That's so nice. I love how the friendship theme keeps coming back <laughs> in between the two of you. It's awesome. So, I mean, do you just, like, talk to your friends, write things down, make a decision? Yeah, for me, and I, I don't know for Carla, but, I, yeah, for me, I definitely have my friends, of course, a couple of close friends. Honestly, 
like friends from business school that you're still close with, um, my family, my nanny, um, and um, she's not even a nanny. She's like the most important person in my life, basically, <laughs> and amazing and wonderful um, woman in her own right. Um, and so, um, so yeah, it's, I think it's just talking to people and absolutely, I do a whole crazy anyway thing where I put down all the things that I care about in life and then I rank my opportunities on each of those attributes and then I weight the oh attributes by course, how important they course. are to me. And then I come up with a numerical, <laughs> if you want to talk about numbers, I come up with a numerical sum of which thing scores higher. Um, and at the end of the day, it's your gut, but I feel more confident putting math around it. Right, so you, you gather data from the marketplace. <laughs> so um, I will ask for you to give me a tutorial on how to develop this chart offline because this is amazing. So you look for data in the marketplace to support your decision making on, on this, which is your job. <laughs> That's her approach. Thank you for revealing that. I'm really curious. Like, I, I would love for you to teach me how you do this. Yeah, they do. This is incredible. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about our last theme together, which is seeking out growth, which is the industry that you're in, right, what you drive. Um, and you'll both be speaking at the Beauty and Money Summit in September in New York, and I'm happy to say our podcast is a media partner for the event, which is super cool for us. Um, so for a brand looking to make relationships with people in your space, how can they best leverage these types of events? And Carla, we'll start with you on that. I mean, I think it's a unique opportunity, right? Where investors, uh, whether it's a, a private equity sponsor or a strategic, right, um, come to the same place to connect with ultimately entrepreneurs and learn more about their businesses. So it's um, a very efficient way to, you know, to do it with multiple people and get to compare and contrast immediately there. Right. Is it like speed dating? It's a little bit like speed dating. In particular, um, I mean, you'll you'll see it at the event, but it's uh, it, it's good and it's fun and it's helpful. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, for us, is particularly helpful because they'll be able to see you know that beyond you know what I referenced earlier in terms of our capabilities, right? We we are good people, right? We are very approachable. We um, you know, have an incredible set of values. Our culture is very unique. Our credo, I mean, oh my God, we live and breathe by our credo. Um, and you know, that translates into the relationships that we build and into the businesses that we look to partner with as well, right? So mm -hmm. it's incredibly important for us. So what, um what can the brands who are looking to engage with you, like, how are, how are they best prepared when they come to an event like this? I think just, you know, knowing their um, elevator pitch, mm -hmm. if you will, right? So, um, which they should by right. definition. Um, but, you know, talking about their brand positioning, talking about their next stage of growth, and how do they see, um, you know, somebody like Johnson & Johnson coming in and potentially providing support. We'll add our own views, you know, to that as well, obviously. Um, and, you know, having that willingness to connect to potentially help Oh, or seek help rather, right, in that next stage, um, you know, whether it is through distribution or innovation or marketing or you name it. But I think, you know, we're there first and foremost to 
let them know who we are, what our values are, as I said before, and to connect, right? It's all about the human connection. It's if we're doing a transaction, sure, of course, at the end of the day, um, you know, numbers and the value that we put on a potential acquisition is important. But at the end of the day, for these founders, you know, they build a business likely from scratch, right? So it is their first, second, or third baby, right? It's their baby. And they want to make sure that they're, you know, sharing their baby with somebody that they know they can trust and somebody that they know can help, right, bring the business to the next level. So that's very important for us to be able to convey that from the get-go. Right. So, um, Alicia, what what are you looking for when discovering brands? And then I guess I have the question for you. Are you competitors with each other? Or are you different stages of the cycle? I think we're broadly at different stages. Yeah, we're very much, um, I think we're partners. Like complementary? Yes. Complementary. Very much Got so. It. Okay. Complementary. So what are you looking for when you're meeting with new brands at, at events like this? Um, I think, you know, we're always looking to meet brands. We oftentimes like to establish relationships with brands that are, like our, our firm invests behind brands that are roughly $5 million in sales to $25 million in sales. Because for us, that's the point at which they've launched, they have the brand up and running, but they need that additional support now to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. So um, that being said, I think at this type of event, yes, you like speaking to brands that are you know exactly in your sweet spot. And our sweet spot is probably a lot more defined than a Johnson & Johnson, which has the full gamut. Mm -hmm. um, but we also love meeting brands that are smaller than that because we connect, we hopefully can do something to help, we believe in good karma, maybe mm -hmm. we can help them find a trademark lawyer now and whatever it is they need or a relationship with a retailer and, um, and down the line it's the right fit. And if not, that's also great, we just want to help other people in the space. Right. So for you, um, you're there to connect, not necessarily to transact or start a transaction, right? You're there like to just like um, build on connections and the power of connections and you know, first share and foremost, kindness, right? First and uh -huh. foremost is to connect, mm -hmm. and you know, ultimately, of course, we hope the right things lead to like formal partnerships right. where we're an investor and a partner with brands, but. I, I would guess that that never kind of happens instantly right. on the day. It's, you know, if you haven't met yet, it's uh -huh. usually just the first meeting and then you go from there. Right. It's not a love at first sight. I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry that brand kind yeah. of feeling. Or there could be Sometimes. a, yeah, I think there's a love at first sight. I'm going to marry the brand. It just, all I meant was it won't literally happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's not, I know it's not a transactional yeah. event. Yeah. I guess I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've never sought out financing, right? Like it's yeah. like a world I don't know. Um, so it sounds to me like, any other part of the sales process where like you can't look at these opportunities like you're a piece of red meat and you know I'm going to sell to you like you need to, the brands need to look at these opportunities like I'm going to connect with you I'm going to connect with you and you might connect me with somebody else right Absolutely. and like who knows where, where that conversation goes so what is J&J &J and what are, you, what are you looking for like what kind of brands are you looking to meet at events like this so it, we have a a pre-established strategy obviously organically but also inorganically right and so at times, it's difficult in the sense that you know you meet these amazing brands that you know are going places, incredible founders, 
but we have to stay disciplined, right, and aligned to our strategy. And of course, our strategy gets reviewed on an annual basis, and we can adjust and correct, right, based on what we see um, in terms of future trends. But I would say, in generally speaking, we're looking for um, great founders, right, a solid management team, a track record of growth, um, with still white space because, of course, we want to right be able to leverage who we are to help them, um, you know, grow even further. Um, a brand that has international expansion potential is important so we can leverage our international network and a brand that therefore translates into you know several different markets mm -hmm. right it's not so localized that it's you know very niche um, and perhaps you can't you know expand further or, or it would be a little bit you know harder to do and uh, yeah I think you know as much as we are a public company um, and, and growth is important, you know, uh, we will always look at a PNL, but PNL is secondary, right? We can help fix a number of things in partnership. I think what's most important is, you know, the uniqueness of the brand proposition and the strength of the management team. I love it. I, I want to like shadow or apprentice with you or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm really fascinated. It's incredible. I'm so thankful that you both shared your wisdom with our listeners today. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview as well. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.